In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I saw a headline the other day that caught my attention. You may not know, but I recently moved to another Dominican priory, St. Dominic's in Washington, D.C. It's a wonderful community. It not only has a parish under its care, but also two other distinct communities within it. Dominicans like myself, in formation to become priests, and our assisted living center, our assisted living facility for our older friars. It's very fitting that those of us who are still young in religion get to learn from the wisdom of those who are old in religion. So I was reading the headline, and it was something on deafness. And I said to myself, I've been dealing with this a lot more recently, so I should take a look at this. But it was a scientific study about something that researchers call inattentional deafness. What is inattentional deafness? It's the phenomenon that happens when you're engaged in a high-intensity sensory activity and you zone out other less intense sense inputs. For instance, a child playing a video game might not hear his mother's reprimands. Or an adult stuck in his cell phone might not notice what's going on around him. The researchers suggest that because we have limited brain power, that when we're doing something more intense, our brains are wired to drop what is less intense. And at a very relatively early stage in our process of sensing. The positive of this is quite obvious. It's a physiological trait that allows us to focus intensely on a particular task. The negative is also quite obvious. It's possible to become completely oblivious to aspects of the world around us. I would like to propose to you that inattentional deafness is a sort of darkened image of prayer, a darkened image of contemplation. Contemplation, after all, is about being engrossed in an object, being enraptured by an object, God. But at its root, it just means a looking upon, a gazing upon. But it's also different than contemplation. In this way, it's the sort of photonegative of contemplation because it leads us to be oblivious to the world around us. This is the sort of caricature of prayer that our contemporaries criticize. Think of the headline of a major New York newspaper in the aftermath of the San Bernardino terrorist attack. The newspaper, in response to the prayer tweets of hapless politicians, proclaimed, God isn't solving this. What we needed, presumably, was action and not just idle prayers. At best, perhaps they would argue, such prayers are a distraction from the tough work that needs to be done to solve what lies at the root of our problems. By contrast to this false image, the scriptures today offer us a true image of prayer. The Blessed Virgin is the one who hears the word of God and cherishes it in her heart. 
she has, more than any human person, God as the object of her unceasing contemplation in faith. First, she hears the word of the angel and accepts it in faith. Immediately, she receives the word of God in her womb. And what happens next? The Blessed Virgin arises in haste to minister to the needs of her cousin Elizabeth. In Mary, the most intense contemplation of God is not separate from the greatest sensitivity to the needs of her neighbor. Why is this the case? It's because contemplation is true seeing. Prayer alone gives us the key to see reality as it really is. And in this sense, the objection against prayer is dead wrong. The person with the activist mentality thinks that any moment spent outside of practical action is time wasted. But in prayer, we exercise ourselves in knowing and loving God. And this lets us see all of reality, especially our brothers and sisters, in the light of the God who created them in his own image, loved them enough to be born for them and to die for them. Think about it. If you ask the world who it sees as most, as most being a helper of the poor, the weak, and the needy, would they name anyone besides Mother Teresa? It's almost self-evident. Rather than becoming desensitized or deafened to the needs of our brothers and sisters through prayer, we become sensitized so that we can truly hear their needs. The time between the lighting of the fourth Advent candle in the Advent wreath and Christmas is usually a time of frantic preparation, not only of food and presents, but especially for the coming of family. In this time, it may seem scarcely possible to pray at all. So in our preparation for the coming of Christ, the Church gives us the example of the Blessed Virgin, so we can see even more clearly the grace of Christmas, the grace of God's presence in our lives, in its very ordinariness, in the mundane aspects of our life. Many of us by now will have set up many of our Christmas decorations or will be doing so shortly. I'm thinking in particular of the creche that my family always set up beneath our Christmas tree. If we have a few quiet moments, wouldn't it be good to spend them beneath the light of the Christmas tree, quietly pondering what the manger means? Most of us would admit that we need to be more attentive to the needs of others, more patient with other people. And that would be the ultimate victory of Christmas. If the mystery of grace spilled out of this sacred space, this church, and into secular space, and made it holy. As always, at this time, the creche is empty of its most important person, the Christ child. Perhaps if we ask this of the Lord, we will find that, 
when the one who came not to be served but to serve comes in the form of a servant, he will bring along with himself these graces as well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.